spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, let's continue looking at how to pray in the time of affliction. And I want to start today by... Um, uh, there are three main portions of the Bible I want to read. Let me start from the one in the book of Job, chapter 34. Let's start from, with the one in chapter 33. Job chapter 33, they will now go to the one in chapter 34. Now, Elihu was speaking here, and he spoke with a lot of wisdom, and God testified that he did, indeed, he spoke wisdom. And we're talking about how to pray in the time of affliction. Now, as we are teaching these things, just like we declared at the beginning, the word is entering our hearts, it is giving us light and direction. It's forming something into our lives. This is the foundation for the words that we speak. When we pray, it is what is inside our hearts that actually decides whether our words have power with God or the word doesn't, all right? Very important. So that's what we have been trying to do. So we are forming the kind of things that we say if we have troubles in life. And troubles will come. That's just the way life is. Afflictions come in life. We must never forget that. Afflictions come. No matter how good you are in life, there will be a time you will go through some difficult times, things that you do not wish to happen to you. Even the Lord Jesus, with all the perfection in his life, there were times that things were rough for him. We know that before he went to the cross, it was a very rough period. And that was, how, that was why he went to pray the way he did in the, um, in the garden. Now, so it's very important we have understanding in our hearts. It gives our prayer meaning and it gives our prayer our power. Now, let's quickly look at this um, issue of Job when Eli was speaking. Eli was speaking to Job and he spoke the wisdom of God. We just want to bring out a few portions from there, from verse 13. He said, why do you complain against him that he does not give that's um, chapter 33, verse 13. He said, why do you complain against him that he does not give an account of all his doings? He said, indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. In a dream, a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men, while they slumber in their beds. He said, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction, that he may turn man aside from his conduct and keep him from pride. You remember the last time I said I was speaking about pride. In verse 18 he says, he keeps back his soul from going from the pit and his life from passing over into the grave or into Sheol. In verse 19 he says, now it gets to a point, man is also chastened with pain on his bed and with unceasing complaints in his bones, so that his life loads bread and his soul loads his favorite food. His flesh wastes away from sight and his bones which were not seen stick out. Then his soul draws near to the pit and his life to those who bring death. In verse 23 he says, If there is an angel as mediator for him, Something difficult to find. One, he said, out of a thousand. To remind a man what is right for him. Then let him be gracious to him and say, Deliver him from going to the pit. I have found a ransom. 
Then the result is what you see in verse 25. Let his flesh become fresher than in youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then he will pray to God like this. I'm adding words now. And he will accept him that he may see his face with joy and he may restore his righteousness to him. He will sing to men and say, I have sinned and perverted what is right and it is not proper for me. He has redeemed my soul from going to the pit and my life shall see the light. We have read about 15 verses there, all right, or 16, of the book of Job chapter 33. And I'm going to look at it closer in a moment. But let's just quickly look at verse 31 of chapter 34 so we can complete reading the words of Elihu here. He said, For has anyone said to God, I have borne chastisement, I will not offend anymore? Now, here he was talking about people going under affliction of a cruel ruler. That's the, the ones he was specifically speaking about here. He said that, we, no, he then said, Has anyone said to God, I, will, I have borne chastisement, I will not offend anymore? Teach thou me what I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I will do it no more. Let me stop here because I'm kind of trying to save the time and we have many other ones to read. So these are verses 31 and 32 of the book of Job chapter 34. Now please bear this in mind. I want us to quickly go down to, no, for time's sake we won't read it. But if we go down to James chapter 1, in verse 3 it says, Beloved, count it all joy if you fall into diverse trials or temptations. Because the trial of your faith, it says, works patience. He said, um, from verse 2 actually, he said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance or patience, and let patience have its perfect result, so that you may perfect, you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now you must understand this. A man came to the Lord Jesus at the time and said, what do I still lack? Are you getting my point? He said, I've kept all of these things from my youth. What do I still lack? And James was saying, if you want to enter into the kingdom, if you want to experience the power of God in your life, this is one of the things you will, you will ensure you learn how to endure in the time of trials and how to count it all joy. He said, because if patience or endurance has its perfect result, you will be perfect and complete, having, not having to ask, what do I still lack? That's the point I'm trying to make here. Because you will see the results of God in your life. That's what James was telling us. Now, the most important scripture I want to read today, should I say most important? Yes, in my mind. is the one from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're looking at how to pray in the time of affliction. Quickly open your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to read from verse 11. Moses was speaking. He said, Beware, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Sorry, I need to back up a bit, alright? That's Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verse 1 now. He said, All the commandments I'm commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your, your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might now, okay, that's actually what I wanted, verse 2, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you will keep his commandments or not. Verse 3 says, he humbled you and he let you be hungry. And then he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did, nor did your fathers know, that it might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything or every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, please, verse 3 is actually where I wanted. 
The idea is that in verse 11, beware lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. Things will work out for you in life, he said later. He said the danger is that you may forget to keep his commandments. You will remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. But in verse 3, he told us, this was what God did for you while you were in the wilderness. He humbled you. The purpose was humility. If you see, pride is a very terrible thing. In verse 14, he says, your heart, lest your heart becomes proud. From that um, um, Job that we read just now, Job said that God tries to turn men away from pride. Now, please, get my point. Those words, last time I discussed um, the meaning of the word pride. All right? I gave a number of definitions. Another one I should give today, which I did not give before, is when you think you know how to do it. Are you getting my point? That is pride. When you are sure, you know how to do it. No matter how sure you are, pride, I mean, when you feel so confident, you know the method for getting the results, it is called pride. Now, you'll see what I'm saying in a moment. Now, we're talking about how to pray in the time of affliction. We relate with afflictions if we know exactly what God is doing. And what I want to say today, see, continue from where we stopped last time, the matter of uh, pride, is to show us that why God takes us through certain issues in life and why we must pray appropriately. In the book, in the wilderness, from what Moses is saying here, you see that the people had a God that was powerful. He had a God that could rain manna from heaven. They had a God that could bring meat from the heavens also as a quail. I mean, he opened the Red Sea. He split the Red Sea in two. There was a time that he needed to kill all the firstborns in the houses of the Egyptians. And he did that thing. He did ten terrible plagues and the people saw his power. Then when it was time to produce food, he deliberately delayed in bringing food. I don't know whether you are getting what I am saying here. He delayed until they became hungry. I want you to understand this. It wasn't as if, okay, there's, uh, there's, um, food is cooking. We are waiting. There was no food in sight. There was nothing. The people were famished. The hunger was a terrible one. So that they started grumbling and complaining. Then he gave them manna. And Moses explained why. He said it's not because he didn't have the power to release manna quickly. He said it was because he wanted to test you. He wanted to humble you. He wanted you to understand that man shall not live or does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me explain something to us again today, the meaning of the word live. Please read my book, By Faith, Acquire Life. In that book, I explained what that word to live means. All right, I just want to go over it again. And I've explained it so many times, different teachings here and there. To live just doesn't mean just to exist. To live means to... Um, that's why I like the word. I, I use the expression to title the book. By faith, acquire life. That's why I use that expression. So people will understand when the Bible uses the word live. For example, it said, we shall, uh, um, um, how does that word go again? The just shall live by faith. It doesn't mean that the just, the just gets up every day, everything he's doing is by faith. No, that's not what that one means. That is what the Bible calls walking by faith. When you make your decisions by faith, that's walking by faith. When you get up in the morning and dress up by faith, that is dressing up by faith. It's walking by faith. If you talk by faith, it's walking by faith. If everything you do is undergirded by faith, then the Bible says you are walking by faith. Now, what does it mean to live by faith? What's the difference? To live means it's the opposite of dying. That is, if you were supposed to die and you did not die, and the reason why you lived as opposed to dying was because faith was working in your life. The Bible says you lived by faith. It's not. It's different from walking by faith. 
Walking, we, we tend to mix the two up. Walking by faith is when I live my life by faith, make my decisions by faith, make my judgments by faith, decide what I will do, whether I will go to the left or the right by faith. When I decide who I'm going to marry, I will not marry by faith. Whether I will take this job or not take that job by faith. The Bible calls that one walking by faith. But to live by faith is how we overcome the forces of death. The Bible says that the just shall live. That is, it shall overcome the forces of death by faith. If they say, for example, as you are getting older, you are going to become tired, you know, your legs become weak, your bone may break easily. They say it's called osteoporosis. And you get up and say, listen, it will not be my portion. And then one day they see you running around the neighborhood. You are chasing your grandchildren up and down at the age of 80. And he said, take this, take this. He said, take what is it? I can outrun these boys. And you are really, you know, you are there on the football field. He said, how come this man is not tired? The Bible says he's living by faith. That his life is working in him because of his faith. Do you get my point? That word live is as opposed to dying. It's not, it's not the modus operandi. It's not the way you operate life. When the Bible says you live. So when it says that the man shall not live by bread alone. You know, we think that man, you don't need to be operating by bread all the time. No, what he was saying is that if you don't have bread, eh? Uh, this will make you laugh, all right? <laughs> when I was coming up just now, eh? I was almost trembling. I went to work. I was very busy. And I had to do things. I didn't, I told him, get me something to eat. He said, oh, the people said, I've gone home. As soon as I entered, I said, Israel, I hope there's something to drink and eat there. One thing you find out, all right, is that, you know, when you don't eat food, you become weak. That's what I'm trying to say. So a man needs food to re-energize his system. A man needs food to get results in life. Bread, alright, I will explain it again, is also a type of the physical things we get in life. Just like I needed to eat something to get my energy back. To get results in life, many of the things we use is what the Bible calls bread. What I mean by bread? I have a good certificate. It will help me get prosperity. That is bread. I'm very skilled. I have energy. I can go about, do my business, hustle, you know, do everything. That is what? Bread. I have human connections. I live in a good economy. I live in a good country. Everything is working well. Power is constant. The laws work. Everything is in order. That is what? Bread. Now, when bread works, all right, together, it produces results. And the results you find is what the Bible called living, life. So if I do my business and I make a lot of money every year, that is life working in my business. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And then so God was saying to them, I want people to understand that material things, physical things are not the only things that produce life. Man does not live by bread alone. That is, even though there is no food, physically speaking, if I speak a word to Moses, he will go without food and water for 40 days. I hope you are getting my point. That is, if my word is working in your life, you will produce results. You don't have the certificate. You barely have an education. Hmm? You know nobody. Economy is bad. Those are the things they call bread. Bread is good. Bread is not bad. But God wants us to know that we are not supposed to depend on bread. He can use what we call bread if that's what he wants. Now, please bear that in mind. Now, what I want to emphasize here is that God said, what was I teaching you people in the wilderness? I wanted you to understand that life does not come only from bread. I hope you are catching it. That is life. You know what life is now. Results. Strength. 
health, vitality, prosperity, abundance. These things don't come only from bread. Bread is, of course, physical bread. Bread is, of course, a good environment. Bread is connections. Bread is a good certificate. Bread is my father is very well to do. Are you getting my point? That's bread. Life does not come only from bread. If you don't have all these things that I've called bread, if you are operating by the word, you will get the same results and better results than those that have bread. Do you get the point I'm making? So that was, that was what he was trying to teach. That you can live without bread. Let me really say this to you. That is a foundation of resisting temptation. That is a foundation. If you don't understand that, you will not be able to resist temptation. Sometimes, a young woman is in university. She comes to tell you that her lecturer is chasing her. So, did they see happen? Did this happen to today? People know they, they never fear God after all these decades. I thought they would have stopped this long ago. And then she says, and then she complains. You know, there are things I am not sympathetic about. I think you should be able to look the man in the face and tell him, sir, go to hell. Tell him, let God do what he wants to do with you. I can't even pray about you. You say, what are you talking about? I'll tell you why I'm referring to this. Why is it a prayer point? What is he offering? I mean, what is he threatening? It's not failure. No, what is he threatening? He hasn't put a gun to your head and said, I'm going to fire. If it was an arm robber now, I'll pray with you. He's a bloody university lecturer. Mm. I don't get it. What am I talking about? You know why it's a prayer point? Because you think man lives by bread. This man is about to take away my bread. So it's a prayer point. Because we are afraid he might take away the bread. But if you understood that man does not live by bread alone. Say, what are you going to take? Is it not certificate? Take it. I will still get to where I'm going to get to in life. If you understood that nobody can stop me from getting to where I'm going to get to. What God is going to do in my life is not dependent upon this piece of paper you are planning to give me at the end of four years. Men have walked away from this school and become the richest men in the world. If you have that understanding, some things are not temptation. I told the lady who I went to preach somewhere, the lady asked to speak with me. He said, um, he said I should please pray. In their counsel, I said, what is the issue? She's been having a dream that she would lose something precious to her, like her job. I said, okay, fine. And then she went to church and a man prophesied. I said, what did the man prophesy? The man confirmed it in prophecy. I said, so, what did he say? He said, you will now come and sow a seed so that you won't lose it. <laughs> I laughed. I said, you should know when you are being defrauded, number one. That's, that's it, that's number one. Number two, I said, do you know the real defense against the devil? Look at him in the face and say, is it a job? Take it. Man does not live by bread alone. If we understand that man does not live by bread alone, some of these things are not temptations. Now, please, I hope you are following the point I'm making. That's why I said it's the foundation for resisting temptations. God said to them, I want you to know 
that I will get, you will get to where you are supposed to get to without bread. And you now know what bread is. Now, but that's not our main message for today. Our main message is, how did he achieve it? How did he achieve them understanding that point? Remember, we are talking about how to pray in the time of what? Affliction. That's what we are dealing with. How did he, why did the Lord get that message into them? He said, it's simple. I made you hungry first, then I fed you with manna. I made you hungry. Then when you were hungry, there was no wheat, there was no barley, there was no yam, no potatoes, no plantain, nothing, no food that you recognized. Then I sent manna to you. Manna is a bread from heaven. That is, I have helped you to understand that even if you don't have the natural advantages of human beings, God can supply your needs even when you are in the wilderness. I hope you are getting my point. That is, it was when your natural food finished that your heart was open to receive manna. What I'm saying, is it too hard? Why are you looking like I'm speaking in Greek? If you understood me, say amen. amen. Don't pretend though. Amen. Now if you understood, don't pretend. If you understood me, say amen. amen. It looks like you understood me. Alright. Okay, if you did not understand, say Amen. Okay, good. Some people didn't understand. So let's go by it again. Ah, Father God, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Now, how do we say it? Good. I'll just go by it again and you will understand this time. Natural advantages, natural methods of getting things is what the Bible calls bread. Do you understand my point? For example, yeah, very good example. You want to get a very big government employment and they say, do you know, and your friend knows the minister. Oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you, the vice president is his uncle. He followed the current head of state during campaign. He didn't talk to the head of state, but talked to all his men. He's your classmate, he's your friend. Now, both of you want the same kind of employment. So he goes, he calls, or maybe it's not your friend, but somebody you know. So he calls the people that he knows, and then they say, ah, no problem, come over to Abuja, see us. And they get it for him. And I'm not saying he didn't get it. He got it, and he's excited. And somebody says to you, how will you get your own? And then you go into your room, and you kneel down, and you pray. And when you finish praying, something you say, why don't you get up and walk across to, maybe they say Mabuja, and you go there. Where are you going? I'm going to the Federal Ministry of this. You get, get that at the gate. Who do you want to see? Please, I want to see the permanent secretary in charge of this particular area. Remember, you don't know him. You don't know who he is. But there's a boldness that came to your heart while you were praying. Normally, they, know it, they told you that it would take two weeks of appointment to find him. Say, don't worry, I will see him today. You get there, it happens to be while you are asking somebody, this is the person I want to see, the man walks by, and he heard you say, I'm looking for the permanent secretary. So he turns around and says, young man, you're looking for me, any problem? Oh, and you, don't even, you didn't know he was the one, no? but suddenly you realize that this is the man I'm speaking with. Say, yes, sir. Okay, come with me to my office. That's it, you've jumped all, you've jumped all the protocol. You didn't notice it? You didn't have to finish talking with the secretary. You didn't have to talk with the security man. So you walk with him to the office and he sits and says, what can I do for you? Say, sir, I am very qualified to do this. I believe I can be a blessing to you, to this nation, if I'm given this particular job to do. And the man laughs and says, you must be very bold. He just came to my door like that. <laughs> and he laughs. I said, anyway, let me have your CV. Did you submit an application before? And he said, yes, sir. Submitted online 
like six weeks ago or six months ago. Oh, okay. Do you have a copy here? You drop it for him. He calls the secretary. Pull this man's papers for me. And the man said, did we shortlist him? No. But he looks very good. Come on, shortlist this boy. Put him there. I'm going for the, for the board meeting in another 10 minutes. I will take his application in by myself. At the end of the day, you get your email. You have been appointed. Did you see what I'm saying? The first man had everybody doing this for him. You didn't have it. You went into your room. You prayed to God and asked the Lord for favor. And God said, don't worry. I will surround you with favor as with a shield. Get up. Move. And then what people have been calling, making calls, you know, eating up favors for, you know what I mean? Using up the favors that they have. You got it without knowing anybody. God is not angry with the other man. That's the door he had opened for him. But he's saying to you, you don't have any disadvantage. Why? Man does not get results by bread alone. What is bread? Those natural advantages the man had. It works for some people. But God said, for my children, it doesn't matter. If they have it, I may use it. If they don't have it, I will still bless them. Now, this is a point. Listen to this. Listen to this. Usually, you don't use that advantage unless you have no other one. I don't know what I heard. I said, human beings usually are not that disciplined. The reason why you went to pray most of the time is because there was nobody to call. <laughs> I don't know what I heard me right. Most of the time is because there was nobody to call unless you've been personally, spiritually trained by the Holy Spirit. And the training process is this. God said, oh, this is what I did to them. I made them hungry. I took them to a place where they knew nobody. Then I worked a miracle for them. For them to understand that this thing is not only by bread. Now, sincerely, do you understand me? Yes, if you are sure, answer me loudly. Do you understand me? Now, but like I said, what's my main message for today? To let you also understand that it's at the point of affliction we discover the power of divine bread. Until those men were hungry, they didn't know how to cry for manna. That's what I'm trying to explain to us. So that when we have troubles, what God is actually doing is pushing us to the point where we learn to cry to God. We said at the beginning that when Asa had problems in the early days, when Jehoshaphat had problems, when um, Ezekiah had problems, they cried to God and then he released his power on their behalf and delivered them from their troubles. This interesting part, all of these situations you will see, in all those situations, they were facing an army bigger than them. I don't know whether I noticed that. The Ethiopians came against them with like 600,000 soldiers. With chariots and all of that, they were like 300,000. More than double their number, actually. When it was Jehoshaphat's turn, there were three nations that ganged up against Jehoshaphat. When it was um, Hezekiah's turn, the biggest nation on the earth that time decided to face Judah. In each of these situations... These children of God were at a serious disadvantage. That, what, what, what's the Bible saying here from Deuteronomy chapter 8? The portion we're reading now. If we tie that to Deuteronomy chapter 8, it was saying they were hungry. That's the meaning of hunger. When you face a situation that's bigger than you, but what I'm going to emphasize, 
The purpose of God, this is my emphasis, the purpose of God in those difficult situations is to teach us a lesson. You are getting what I'm saying? It's to let you understand that man does not live by bread alone. And he does that deliberately. Sometimes you pray for something and God does not answer in a hurry. One of the major things he does, listen to this, I was saying earlier, that I counseled somebody. I said, all right, you've been having these visions, let me put it like that, that this is going to happen. I said, why don't you look at the vision next time? I said, so. That the reason why this thing looks scary to you is because you think man needs that bread to live. You are getting the point I'm making. You think, and this is the issue. Many prayers we are praying, many re- the reason why God sometimes doesn't answer us quickly is because we are holding on to the thing that we want so tightly, that is spiritually now. And God is saying, you know, you don't understand something. You don't need that thing to live. So he doesn't give it, not because he can't give it, but he said, I need to make you hungry. Until you're able to understand that you don't need this to live. Sometimes, a woman is praying, God give me a husband. Husbands are good. In fact, I know, I'm good for my wife, amen. <laughs> the Lord is good. They are very good. They are good things. These men, you find going around, they are good. They are good for changing your tire. They are very good. They are good for many things. But you know why God doesn't answer sometimes? He's looking. I say, this girl is looking for a man that will change her tire. Tires are not changed by husbands alone. <laughs> I don't know whether you get my point. Get the organizer. <laughs> Tires are not changed by husbands alone. Get the organizer. Now, that's one extreme of it. But God is saying, listen, while every night you're praying, say, Lord, look at me, I'm alone. God say, oh, did you not read them with you always? <laughs> it sounds funny. We're laughing. But you know, God, that guy takes it very personal. Yeah. He a man does not live by bread alone. Joy does not come from husbands alone until you're able to discover joy in the Lord. He's not giving you that thing. That is the point I'm making. Listen, there are things people are praying for. And God said, you know why you are asking for this thing? Okay, let me give an example now. Just an example. Just this is a very crude example. God said, you are praying, Lord, give me money, give me money. He said, but Chris, you don't want money, you want food. I don't know what I get my point. And every day he said, oh, if you want 10,000 today, sow a seed. And you're looking for what to sow. And God said, but this boy does not want money. He's hungry. That all of these prayers is just to get to a particular point where food comes to the table. So why does he not just ask for food directly? Let me show him there's food in the house. Like I said, it's a very simple example. Many times the thing we're asking for is not the thing we are really looking for. It is the thing it produces. Another example, Lord, give me money, give me money so I can build a house. And because this boy is not looking for a house. He has a very comfortable one. His rent is very low. He's happy. 
It is just that he has an inferiority complex. He has an inferiority complex. Why? The last time he went to visit his friend in Mecca, that one just packed into his own personal house. That's his problem. Last Christmas, he went home. And they showed him the land that used to be empty near the junction before his own street in the village. He has the beautiful house. And this who owns it? It's one of his cousins who was a classmate. Throughout that Christmas, he was not feeling very happy. Mother was asking, say, do you have a fever? No, I'm okay. The success of Kingsley has turned you, Andrew, into a failure. He was happy until his friends started building these houses. There was nothing wrong with his Tokumbo car. He was driving it very happily. He was, I mean, he was enjoying the car. He bought it, he used the car. He's used it for the last three years. The car doesn't give problems. Except that they said old boys association meeting last time he went. There was one boy that used to sit beside him in school. That boy used to cheat from his paper. The guy came and he packed a Lexus he bought brand new beside him. And when his wife, that, that boy's wife came down, oh my God, if you cut her fingers, you build the house. You know what I mean? With the gold. Then suddenly the peace of, of man that one can understand has departed from his heart. As opposed to the peace of God that passes all understanding. Then he starts praying. When when he goes home, he starts praying. So he's trying to expand his business. And he's praying. Or he's working in an office. He's praying for promotion. In the name of Jesus. Father God. Yeah. This year. My year. Of breakthrough. And that year passes. There was no breakthrough. All the walls were standing where they were. There was no key to open any door. And then the end of the year, somebody said that it was because his tithe was not complete. So he goes back and checks and finds that he missed two naira fifty kobo one particular month. Or maybe he was not even owing anything. The following year, they say, except you give the Lord your whole January salary, the rest will not be holy. Which, as you know, is not true. And then he does it. And God is looking at him. Oh, I forgot to tell you, that year also passes. No breakthrough. Nothing. That car that was good before, the spirit that has entered him is now spoiling the engine. The other day he was driving on the road. He didn't know when he ran into somebody in front. That man's bumper entered his grill, radiator, cracked it, pushed the engine slightly out of alignment. Since that time, when he's driving, we hear him. It's a spiritual noise. He does not know. That's how his soul is grinding. I don't know. Oh God. You know, the world becomes flesh. That's how his soul is grinding. The thing that is inside him has become flesh. And he's praying. And he says, God, what is going on? Because nothing is going on. More than the fact that what you are looking for is not a new car. It's not more money. What you are looking for is the ability to stand amongst your peers and say, me too, I did. That's all you are looking for. And I will never participate. Are you getting my point? That's why James said, you ask not. No, sorry. Sorry, sorry. 
He said, when you ask, yes, I wanted to say, that when you ask, you do not receive because you are asking amiss to spend it on your lust. You had no problems until other people started doing some things. Somebody say, thank God for your life. That's for my life. Say it again now. Amen. You know what I'm saying, so? There are some things I enjoy. You know, I I'm very rich. I'm worth about... Um, like um, 80, 89 million billion dollars and counting. Why is it 89 billion? Just make sure I'm, I'm richer than Bill Gates. That's all. <laughs> Bill Gates has 75. I just added something to it just to shoot over and counting. I have a lot of money. The Lord is good. If, if, we, if you can't see it, now you not get eyes. Me, I can see the thing. It's clear. It's clear to me. I, occasionally, I change my, my bank balance. You want to know where I see it? Sometimes I just wake up and I just look at my wife sleeping. That's part of my bank balance sleeping. <laughs> if your wife threw a knife for your chest, you know, we come down. You know, that's my point. That I'm there. You know, these are bank balances we don't check. I'm telling you, you, apart from my bank balance, and I see your face, you're happy to see me. That's bank balance. And some people, if they die, nobody knows they are dead. Then I say, ah, where is Banky? Say he died. When? Well, nine months ago. Are you serious? <laughs> And they walk in the same place. So nine months, he didn't know the guy died. <laughs> so you are part of my bank balance. People that if anything happens, they will know. That, that's part of it. You know, in this life, that's what we use resources for. A lot of people are spending money recklessly. They just want people to be able to notice them. Notice me. I built the biggest house. Notice me. I'm driving the best car. Notice me. My children are schooling abroad. Notice me. Notice me. Now can't you notice me? What's wrong with you? Okay, I'll buy a bigger wristwatch. Notice me. Don't notice me now, I'll cause trouble. Some people, no, I'm not, so there are people who shoot people just to be noticed. Who shot the president? It is I. I'm talking about bank balance. <laughs> are you getting my point? Now, when I say, say thank God for me, the Lord delivered me from that thing very early in life. Very early. Oh, very early. I don't care how rich you are, you can't intimidate me. You know why? I don't know. I don't care. That's just the thing. Once, see, if we're competing for the same woman, that would have been a different matter. Say, I wanted to marry this girl. You want to marry her too. Then you now use your money to come. You know? I should notice. But it's too late for that. I have married the woman I want to marry. Okay, Nano? But even before then, I didn't even mind. Why? If she follows you, it means that she was a bad wife in the first place. Thank God for deliverance. Yes. I'm telling you the truth. That is how the Lord taught me long ago. I told you once, I've said this many times. I went home, went to visit one Christmas, my family, all of us. My mother said, hey, thank you. I was just thinking, you see, your mates are living in their own houses now. And without batting an eyelid, I didn't let the thing interrupt. I said, how many of them are teaching the way of success? That was, that was our program on radio. I said, how many of them are teaching the way of success? Uh, building your house. Has, has that become my radio broadcast? Have you written books like I've written? How many people wake up in the morning to log on to your website? Thank God you built a house. When you build a house, is he hosting my website? <laughs> I said to my mother straight, I said, how many of those my so-called mates are teaching God's word on radio? Nothing wrong with building 
It's just not my own primary assignment. God spoke a word and told one old man, build the house in Enugu my son wants to rent. That was my landlord. <laughs> and he built a house years before I came. And God said, this is what I will do for you this season. I said, what, Lord? I shall give you enough money. You will pay rent without trouble. Believe me, I'm not exaggerating. Everywhere I have lived, I have, God has helped me to get the reputation that this is a good tenant. And when a landlord says a good tenant, it's not, in, it's not that he came for his son's naming ceremony. And I give God the praise. That has been my testimony. Look, oh, I didn't let anybody put me under pressure. Back to the main thing I'm saying. God said to them, I made you hungry. Then I fed you with manna. Why? I want you to know man does not live by bread alone. I was saying, many of the things we are praying for, God knows why we are praying for it. And that's why he's not answering. What you call adversity, that's why he's standing there and watching. He said, I'm pushing you until you get to the point. When you realize that my life does not depend on this. Many times you are praying for something. What God is giving you first is not what they are asking for. We read that from that Philippians chapter 4. He said, God, give me money. God said, first thing I give you is the peace of God that passes all understanding. You ask for more money. God said, no, the first thing I will teach you is how to manage the one you have and how to be grateful and be generous with it. Until you learn it, I am not moving forward from this point. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, the primary thing God is doing in our lives is to correct us so that we will understand. Listen, I thought about it. Many of the things we call testimonies these days, God calls them vanity. Go to a typical church to give testimony. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord finally gave me a brand new 